All right. If you are wondering who are going to be the top breakout stars in college basketball next season, as far as returnees, then who better to talk about it than Leaf Tuline, who is the man that watches more college basketball than anyone else. Stay tuned to hear about the players that your team may be selecting in next year's draft. All right, we are still a good 12 months, give or take, minus a few days from the 2023 NBA draft. But Leaf Tulane is here to talk about some of the top players that could break out in next year's draft. This is the Lockdown NBA Big Board Podcast, your daily NBA draft podcast. And again, we're talking about 2023 when we're still in the 2022 draft cycle in a sense because summer league hasn't started. But I am Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA draft junkies and my co-host today leaf to lean aka the grinder the man that watches more college basketball than anyone else and he's also a play-by-play guy for a minor league baseball so leaf grinds period <laughs> no matter what and this episode is brought to you today by arcade one up and arcade one up is the company that is giving away three nba jam shack machines that's right three these are the guys known for making incredible retro three-quarter scale at home arcade games like pat pac-man golden t and many more enter to win at arcade one up.com slash locked on that's arcade one the number one up.com slash locked on for your chance to win one leaf i know that your schedule is crazy last time we spoke you were in hawaii now you're back on the road doing minor league baseball games and you're still finding time to watch film. How's everything been going? Is, is I mean, are you just overwhelmed right now? I'm doing well. I had a nice reprieve. We were, we were recording a lot of podcasts, but that was the only work I was doing while on vacation. So that was, that was, that was a reprieve, even though it was a lot of work. Um, and, and now I'm, I'm calling games. So I'm just prepping for a uh, prepping for a baseball game, but you know, always got time to watch film, especially, and there's not there's not too much new watching watching the players that I, that I think we're going to talk about. We, we've both watched a lot of them, and I think it'll be good to enlighten the fans as to who may break out and be popular candidates to be sophomore. I take sophomore leaps such as what Johnny Davis took or Keegan Murray and, and, and Jade Ivey was kind of a household name. But the people in the same ilk, I'm not sure they'll all be lottery picks, but it's always good to know who's going to take a leap the next year for college basketball, whether you're fans of college basketball or just the NBA draft. Yeah, so like when you, you look at this 2023 NBA draft, and if you look at the different mocks out there, there are not very many returning college players projected to go in the first round. The most notable one is Terquavion Smith, who is one of my favorite players. I was told that he had a lock in the first round, but he wasn't happy with it. He thought he could come back to school, do the Jaden Ivy, and come back and have a huge sophomore year where he is the man and possibly be a, a top five pick. I think for the most part, people are pretty much locked into Wimbayam and Scoot Henderson being number two, but things could change. I mean, we saw how much the mock draft changed, you know, at, at this time last year. And so my concern about that for Terquavion is NC State was a bad team last year, and I was with him and Sebron. I know that they had some injuries, but last year with their team, three through eight, they were one of the worst power five teams. Do you think he, he made a, a wise choice by going back to school? I think there's going to be more defenses kind of 
geared to stop him. He was kind of hiding in plain sight last year. He had a very good freshman year, but it was, I mean, he was way under the radar. I think I first talked about him back in maybe like April and people were like, who, <laughs> who is this guy? So do you think he made a, a good choice by going back to school and betting on himself? I mean, obviously time will tell, but, but I do think it's a good choice because I personally had him at number 18 on my board before yep. he took his name out of the, out of the draft. And, and you were, you were one who, who rate like when I, when I saw you were really hyping him up and, and I'd already had him at the low, I think I had at 28 at that point. And then I watched the combine and I was like, Oh, okay. I can see what the, what the scouting report would be for him in the NBA, like his keys to success. To answer your question though, I think he does help himself out because for him to be a top 20 pick, like I think he wants to be or wanted to be, I think he would have had to have one team take a real fly. And there were a lot of players with more proven track records. Like even a guy like Tari Eason, who had awesome off the chart numbers slipped to 17. Does that mean Turquavion at about a buck 65 is going to go that high? So I think this year, I think he's got a very good chance to go higher than where he would have um, this past year, but you never know. I will say that NC state, I think, struggled to find an identity and he was hiding in plain sight because as a freshman you don't necessarily take over initially and we talked about this with Blake Wesley not that their team was as veteran laden but they had Darion Sebron who was older they had a couple of players that that can shoot the ball but they just didn't know how to play good team basketball I think he will be the focal point of the team and I think he's probably going to lead the ACC in scoring despite some prospects being higher potentially higher rated him like Derek Whitehead being at Duke I think he's going to lead the ACC in scoring and become a better point guard while doing so. And I think that helps his stock. And I, I have him, I mean, early, early board that I don't even want to announce at all, but I've got him top 10. Yeah, it's funny because he's a guy that is extremely, extremely confident in his abilities to put the ball in the basket. I mean, we saw it at the combine. He had, at one point, I think he had like nine points in, in nine minutes. And then in the second half, his shot selection was, was a little crazy. He finished like six of 17 but he showed like the elite confidence, the shot making ability. And so I'm looking forward to seeing him because I think he's going to be like must see TV this year because he already has an internal green light. And now with him being like the total, total focal point of the offense, he's going to put up some crazy numbers. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're inefficient, but I also wouldn't be shocked if he has like some a 40 point game. And I mean, he's, he's going to be dynamite. Definitely needs to get stronger. Like you said, a buck 65, that is very difficult to play in the NBA, especially as a guard at, at 165. But I, I heard from some people that were pretty much connected to the situation that he did have, you know, a floor at around 20. He just wanted to, um, you know, put himself in position to be, to be top five, which it, it's a totally different approach considering that there were, players that i mean they they didn't even have the same type of floor as as he was expected to have and they opted to stay in the draft and some were second round picks and i mean we, we talked about a little bit uh, in the in the episode i talked about a little bit in the episode with richard you know you had a guy like john butler who, who gambled on staying in the draft and i don't even think that he had a floor of top 60 and he he still gambled so, like I said, it's a totally different approach. I thought more players would take the Smith approach to it this year, considering that there's so much money out there in NIL and try to improve their stock. But he was the only one. All right. That took up a segment. When we return, we'll talk about a few of the other guys that, that you feel like could break out and have a, like you said, Johnny Davis type sophomore year. 
I mean, like Johnny Davis was a guy that, I mean, maybe you, because you are like the, the grinder and you watch a lot of college basketball, but he wasn't a guy that a lot of people had as a potential lottery pick coming into the season. And, you know, I don't think he really stood out that much at the under 19. So Leaf will tell us more about who is the next Johnny Davis. But boom, shakalaka. We have big news. The one and only NBA Jam is back in Arcade 1-Up, the leader in at-home retrograde. I'm sorry, retro arcade games is not only bringing the best game ever back, but they've made it bigger than ever with a Shaq edition machine. I know people are obsessed with NBA Jam, and I'm thrilled to tell our listeners that once again, you can play hoops with NBA legends in this arcade classic. Remember how you could jump clear across the court and set the ball on fire? And NBA Jam was one of the first games, if not the first game, at least I remember, to ever feature real and digitized NBA licensed teams. There were no fouls, no free throws. And in this case, no quarters are required. You can compete with friends and family through the all new Wi-Fi leaderboards, which is making it more connected, making you more connected than ever. Pre-order now from Arcade1Up.com. That is Arcade, the number one up.com for an estimated early September ship date. Arcade One Up is the place for fun. They've got even more classics like Golden T, Mortal Kombat, and many others starting at just $3.99. And now check this out. They're giving away an NBA Jam Shack Edition machine or arcade to a locked-on listener. Enter for a chance to win a game console for your man cave because, you know, this is locked on. I know everybody that listens to Locked On. You all have man caves. I'm the only one probably without a man cave, but I'm getting there. So for your man cave, you can get the Shaq edition NBA jam. And it comes from courtesy of locked on, but you have to enter at arcade one up.com slash locked on. That is arcade. The number one up.com slash locked on. You've got until July 8th to enter to win this NBA jam Shaq edition console. Do not miss out. Enter today. And I know I've asked him this question before, and I just answer it for him again. Leaf said he's going to play with the Utah Jazz, but Leaf is kind of young. He doesn't remember the original NBA, <laughs> the original NBA Jam. That just shows you how bright his future is. Because if he's young enough to not remember NBA Jam, and he is where he's at today, that means he has been grinding and put it in the work. So shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. And now, Leaf, who is a player that you feel is due for a breakout sophomore, maybe even junior season, but a breakout season in college basketball? Yeah, I'm going to stay in the ACC here. I don't think this for, for draft people is going to be too revelatory. This is a guy that that reminds me of a player that went to his alma mater. This is uh, Matthew Cleveland from Florida State. He was one of my favorite players to watch in the grassroots. He had a big rise his senior year, moved up to about 20 uh, in, the, in his class, which was a pretty good high school class. And I thought, I thought he was better than his ranking in the class based on the way he finished his senior summer. Um, that said, at Florida State last year, Matthew Cleveland – Averaged 11 and a half points, five rebounds, give or take 1.2 assists uh, and about 1.2 stocks, which is a com combination of steals and blocks for those of you who don't know. Um, and, and he's a prototypical Leonard Hamilton, Florida State guy, long defensive wing who's got offensive upside. The knock on him is he didn't shoot the ball well. Well, I, I did it. I dug into some stats and a guy that he reminds me of is Devin Vassell, who, if you remember, was 
was a lottery pick for the Spurs a couple of years ago. And he took a huge sophomore leap himself on his freshman year, playing a really good Florida state team. And then his sophomore year, they elevated again. And Devin Vassell scored 13 points, his sophomore year after a four and a half points, his freshman year, they're not one-to-one players, but the leaps that Florida state players take, especially in limited roles into then thrust into the spotlight. I think there's a real potential for Matthew Cleveland, who got a lot better as his freshman year developed, including a game winner against Virginia. Uh, he, he takes over games. and He's got the athletic traits to slash. And I think he's got the potential to have a Johnny Davis-esque leap. Yeah, you know, I, I like the comparison to Vassell. Obviously, it's kind of lazy comparison in the sense because they both went to Florida State. But I like the fact that Cleveland has the size that NBA teams covet in the wing. And I think there is a a good upside or good chance for him to be a, a reliable pull-up shooter. I know that's kind of like his bread and butter. He likes to shoot the pull-up jumpers. Now, do you think that he like could be a mid-first-round pick, best-case scenario? Or do you think he can have the same type of rise as, as Devin Vassell? I mean, Vassell went pretty high in the draft. Do you think there's a chance he could end up being in that range? Yeah, I think I think he kind of caps out at like 10, 10 to 15. I, I think that's kind of the top range for him. So I, I do think he's got the capacity to be a top uh, a lottery pick, a t- tail end of the lottery pick. I, I think his his thing that, that's going to be a swing skill and it's it's no nothing revelatory is they just needs to work on his jump shot. He shot 18 percent from three and 56 percent from the free throw line. Those numbers aren't good, but typically freshman to sophomore players that that get better shoot so much better and that's not even to nba prospects but a lot of freshmen just struggle on the having the biggest gyms they've ever had Um, a lot of nerves trying to fight for their roles and they get lots better um, shooting the ball so i believe in his shooting you talked about his bread and butter being his pull-up jump shot and he slashes really well he's got a similar body type to devin Vassell, where they're really long they elevate up high in the air and finish up well up in the air sometimes even going on their way down Um, i i really think Cleveland has a chance to break out and be an all ACC guy. In fact, I would, I would bet that he's an all ACC guy this year and the best player on a Florida state team that I think should be a kind of a sleeper um, to be a good, a really solid team this year because they've got another point guard there named Jalen Worley. Who's another guy I think will break out on a lesser degree. Yep. All right. Who else is on your list for potential breakout stars for next season? This one is near and dear to your heart, but it might be a rival. It's going to be Arthur Kaluma, who's in Omaha for Creighton. Yes, uh, sir. <laughs> I, I don't know. You say go big red, but you may may have some fond ties to to the, the Blue Jays who shoot the ball somewhere in the middle of America. Uh, I, I think Arthur Kaluma is going to spearhead and be the best prospect on a really good Creighton team that should be top five in the country at certain points this year. Um, they also have. Ryan Nemhard, younger brother of Andrew Nemhard, was the 31st pick. Trey Alexander. So they've got a really good young core. But I think Arthur Kaluma is the guy that really sticks out to me as a bona fide prospect. You talked about what do NBA teams covet? They covet size and length. Well, he's a sophomore. He scored 14 points per uh, per 36 minutes, 7.2 rebounds. Those are like... If you look on Tankathon, for instance, they've got those in the red. They're like, oh, that's not good. But in a, in a role where he's playing an egalitarian offense, where he's the kind of fourth option on a Creighton team that was really good, actually. They almost beat Kansas without two of their best players, and Kansas won the national championship. Kaluma didn't shoot the ball great, but he showed an individual ability to score his own bucket. He's a productive rebounder, and he gets to the rim well, and he's got good touch. So I, I, I buy his traits. 
And I'm curious to see if the age, which some, some evaluators hold against people, because he's already 20 years old. So by draft, he'll be about 21. Uh, I think I, I'm curious to see if that holds him back, but he's a guy that I think should take a huge leap in terms of development and be a person that draft evaluators may, may find enticing. Yeah. You know, I, I thought that with his age and the Kansas game, I thought that was going to be enough to make him like enter the draft and kind of really check and see what, what the temperature was on him being a, a prospect. So I was actually kind of surprised that he went back to school, even though I don't think like, I don't know. It's tough. Cause I can say there's other guys that didn't do enough to get drafted. <laughs> We've seen a couple guys go in the first round that, <laughs> that didn't really do a whole lot. So I, I thought he, that he was going to at least give it a, a legitimate shot, but Creighton is expected to be top five. And, you know, growing up in Nebraska, it's weird. Like Creighton in Nebraska, at least from my knowledge growing up, did not have like a, this hated, heated rivalry. You know, there's like and in Arizona, if you go to Arizona for grad school, you don't go to Arizona State. For, I mean, if you go to Arizona for undergrad, you don't go to Arizona State for for grad school or, you know, like at Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, it's not that big of a rival, maybe because they're not in the same conference. So I still have to say this, like, you know, as a kid that grew up in Omaha, I did root for Creighton. I did root for Nebraska. And then when they played each other, I wasn't like, you know, felt like, oh, one team lost. I'm mad about it. It just, you know, you hoped for a good game. So, um, but yeah, to say that I, I do root for Creighton to win. I do root for Nebraska to win, but obviously it's Creighton that has the much, much better program and they don't have the same budget as, as Nebraska in a sense. So it's, it's very interesting. All right. Before we get into the last segment, I think the audience wants to know a little bit more about Sakara. And as far as oh, that's my stuff, right? one, two, three. All right. Before we get into the last segment, I wanted to talk to the audience about feeling better and feeling better and feeling your best starts with what you eat. And Sakara helps you live a healthy, balanced lifestyle, but more importantly, helps you truly enjoy it. And that's because they have delicious, plant-rich, transformational nutrition programs that build a foundation for living in your best body. And now is the time to seek wellness, joy, and abundance in all areas of your life. And it starts with what you eat. With Saqqara, you get nutrition-dense meals, snacks, and supplements that nourish your body without ever sacrificing taste or quality. A true radiance starts on your plate, and it's made with high-quality organic ingredients. Saqqara's plant-rich transformational nutritional programs are expertly designed to deliver real results from reduced bloat and ease digestion to clear skin and boosted energy and mood. Saqqara is a wellness company anchored in food as medicine on a mission to nourish your body through the power of plants. Their nutritionally designed chef-crafted breakfasts, lunches, and dinners are made with powerful plant-rich ingredients, which again, help boost your energy, support your digestion, curb your sugar cravings. They get your skin glowing, which you know, you gotta have your skin glowing. You can't be out here with the, with the dead skin. And plus, it is delivered right to your door and ready to eat. And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash locked on 20. Enter the code locked on 20 at checkout. That is sakara, S A K A R A dot com to get 20% off your order. Just hit slash locked on 20. That is sakara.com slash locked on 20. All right. Once again, you're listening to 
the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, with my co-host, Leaf Tulin, a.k.a. The Grinder. All right, Leaf, who is the third, or I guess is the fourth? Who is the next, or maybe it's the third? Who's the next prospect on your list? It is the fourth. I, I'm torn. There, there's like three or four guys that I think will go in the tail end of the first round, and I think picks 20 through 30, and, and there's a chance for a breakout. I'll start it off with the guy I think has the highest potential of those guys. And that's the point guard Tyrese Hunter, who's transferred from Iowa state to, to Texas. And I think he was a huge reason. Iowa state had two wins in the, in the season prior. And then they went to the sweet 16 and we're, we're pretty close to making the elite eight. And I think he was the main reason because of his insurgence of energy and defense along with the transfer of Isaiah Brockington was certainly helpful. But Tyrese Hunter is a defensive menace. He's one of the best defenders in the country, especially for guards. Uh, he's, he gets the rim. He's very young for his age. He'll be a sophomore, and he's yet to turn 19. Uh, he's, he's small in terms of height, but he plays big. He's got long arms, passes well. Shot's not beautiful um, by any stretch of the imagination. Shot 69% from the free throw line and shot uh, about 27% from three. But it, you, you just don't see guards with dynamic athleticism. Think of Kennedy Chandler, um, but this guy's got is bigger and he's got and he's he's not the vertical athlete that Kennedy is, but I think he's every bit the pest. And I watched I, the other night I, I was flying back and I, so I decided to turn on Tennessee versus uh, Michigan. And I, Kennedy Chandler had an amazing game. He's I, I killing them in my, drop coverage. Yeah, and I was thinking to myself, man, what player could do that this year? And then it, it just dawned on me. I was like, oh man, Tyrese Hunter is going to kill at Texas. They just need to give him the ball and let him rock. And that, and they've got a lot of talent. They've got another projected lottery pick. So if he's allowed to rock, I think he's got the highest potential. I just do think teams will be a little worried by his diminutive stature, and that's why Kennedy Chandler fell to uh, 38, I believe. And I'll get to see him next week at the summer league, and I'm excited to do that. Oh, you'll be at Summer League? Yeah, I'll be at all three Salt Lake games. Okay, okay. All three days, so six games. Okay, yeah, I'll I'll be in Vegas. But, yeah, I was really, really surprised by Hunter transferring from Iowa State. I thought he played well there. I mean, I don't know the the inside, but I thought the situation was good for him. And, um, you know, the the jump shot is a big question mark, and I can't think of it. What was the game that he, like, made all those threes? Was it in the tournament? I think he had a game where he made like five or six threes. He, he was clutch against Wisconsin. I don't know how many threes but he had, but, but, he, but he was really good against Wisconsin, and he did a good job on Jan, Johnny Davis too. Yeah, I think that was that was the game. And then he kind of followed it. I mean, he was hot that game. Then he kind of followed it up with the with the inefficient shooting the, the next game or whatever. But I like him. My first time seeing him play was they had a um, – it was called the Wooten Tournament or something like that. It was like a McDonald's – camp to to get in for mcdonald's nominees or something like that so i guess it was the year of covid around covid or something like that so a lot of kids missed out on on that particular summer and it was a camp that they had here in dallas and i didn't really know much about some of the guys going into it but he when i left the camp he was one of the five players that i said that i was going to keep an eye out and remember i just you know remember him having like this same demeanor no matter what he was picking up full court he was getting steals he was finishing I thought the best players at that camp were him um, Nick Smith who was projected to be you know top five pick on some mocks and then um, there's another player that that really stood out to me oh Trey Alexander who's actually at Creighton those three guys really stood out to me at that particular tournament but 
yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what he does at Texas. Texas is going to be good. I mean, they have a good recruiting class. Then they have another kid from the Dallas area. I think Dallas had like five McDonald's All-Americans, and one of them is Arterio Morris, who is just a phenomenal athlete. And I'm looking forward to seeing those two guys play together. All right, who is the next person on your, on your list? I've got a guy who many will mistake for the number four pick in this year's draft, and that's his twin brother, Chris Murray. Uh, Keegan Murray's twin brother, Chris Murray. And it was LSU that, that Tyrese Hunter had a, a great yes. shooting day. He, yeah. he had seven threes going seven of 11. <laughs> I, I, I had to check it because I, I wanted to say that, but I wasn't sure. Anyway, Chris Murray, I think what you saw in Keegan Murray, and it sounds like a cop-out because they are twins, but they do have similar traits. Chris Murray's even bigger. He, he's thicker than Keegan was. Um, he, he was able to use his body very well. And and I, I don't think he's a better shooter than Chris uh, Keegan, but his shot comes off his hand maybe even more cleanly than Keegan's. And Keegan's had to be reworked from freshman to sophomore year. And Chris had the same transformation. I just think he was a slightly later bloomer than um, Keegan was. Chris Murray, though he didn't play a ton, averaged 19 and a half minute, uh, points per game and eight and a half rebounds per 36 minutes. And in those per 36 minutes, which these are inflated because he didn't play a ton. So I'll repeat that. He averaged 3.5 stocks. Um, and that's steals and blocks. Once again, his activity level is really impressive. He reminded me a lot of last year of what freshman year Keegan Murray did. And, and I could see towards the end of the season, the reason Iowa started becoming a trendy final four pick, the reason they won the big 10 tournament was because they had more versatile athletes and they were able to defend as well as score at the elite level that Iowa always does. They had Patrick McCaffrey, Keegan Murray, and Chris Murray running out the floor with uh, strong guards. And I think when he entered the games, and that speaking of Chris Murray, their defense elevated. And I think his ability to play pick and pop, kind of guard multiple positions is something that just fits the modern NBA to a T. And I think he's bound to have a breakout season with the departure of his twin brother, Keegan, as well as uh, Jordan Bohannon graduating. So I think there's more space for him to shine at Iowa. And, and in what's I consider a pretty wide open Big Ten. I think he could be an all Big Ten performer. All right. I have a couple of questions for you. Do you think that... Chris Murray's draft status will depend on Keegan's success in the NBA. Unfortunately, I do think that may impact it. I don't think that's necessarily fair. Uh, and, and maybe Keegan will ball out and, and then it'll improve Chris's stock. But, but I, I do think people will be, will see like, Oh, Keegan has a ceiling. Like he, he's not scoring well individually as a rookie and that'll potentially hurt Chris Murray's stock. I don't tend to evaluate that way but I can certainly see a way that uh, could be impactful to his stock. Typically twins come out the same year. So that this is interesting. Although yeah. the Sh Champagne's did it this past year. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I was thinking about that. Like if, if Keegan has an all rookie season, he's one of the top five rookies. And let's say he averages, you know, 15 and seven or something like that and shoots 37% from three. How much does that help Chris Murray? Or if it's the other way around and, and Keegan struggles and does that, that impact Chris? Now, my second question is, can you tell them apart? Yes, I can actually. How? I, I, so before I, before I let you get into your answer, so I'm at the combine, right? And uh, I think I was going up the escalator and then one of them was coming down the escalator. I had no idea who it was. Then uh, I went to their pro day and it was me and I was sitting next to 
a few NBA executives and we couldn't figure out who was who because they didn't have a jersey on. <laughs> and so only reason we knew was because one is left-handed, one is right-handed. And so, but if it wasn't for that, and there were some scouts that didn't even know the difference. And so then we had to figure out, okay, like, all right, when they're shooting, we can tell. But if it's like, you know, ball handling drills or finishing at the rim, uh, it was tough to tell. Then we, once we kind of figured out, okay, all right, the guy that shoots with the left-handed is wearing Kyrie's. The one that shoots right-handed is wearing Durant's. That was the only way to, to tell them apart. But I can't tell them apart out if they were just both, like I said, one was on the escalator. So how are you able to tell them apart? Well, my main giveaway was their, their shooting hand. So, okay. so that was the first answer. I, I would say that Chris Murray has broader shoulders than Keegan. So it would be kind of hard to just see if they were in like t-shirts, but in like a basketball uniform, even if you strip their number, I think I'd be able to tell, but uh, I, I can't promise it in the same situation you were in. Uh, I, I would also say that, that Chris is, he's, his hair is just a touch different. Um, I watched a lot of Iowa the last two years because I really liked Luca Garza just as a college player and Joe Wieskamp was fun to watch. They, they play great offense. So in that situation, I can usually like when they're running up the court and you can't see their numbers, I can usually tell which one's which, but that may just be a benefit of watching them play a lot. So I, you kind of know what their rotations are. Um, so, so I can't promise it in your situation. My main answer was one's lefty, one's right-handed. So yeah. I thought a lot would be a fun fact for a lot of people wouldn't know. Yeah. I mean, the NBA scouts didn't know. I mean, these are the people that are paid to evaluate and watch it all season long, but yeah, like I said, at a pro day when they just both had on t-shirts, and they've started off the pro day with just like ball handling drills and they didn't do any shooting and they were running up and down. And I just remember scouts are just like, okay, which one are we supposed to really, really be keeping an eye on for, for this year's draft. And then once they got to shooting, uh, then it was able to, you know, somebody had to point out to them that, you know, one's right-handed, one's left-handed. All right. Well, man, that wraps it up, man. This was a great episode. Again, that's why they call you the grinder. I mean, you mentioned that you were watching, you know, NCAA tournament games on the plane. You're giving your, your, your insight on some of the top returning players, which I think is going to be very, very interesting to see how many actually get selected in the first round. I mean, it's still extremely early, but right now, everybody's talking about not only the freshman class, but this class of players that aren't even playing in college basketball and the returning college players are just not getting much love. And that's why I had to have you on because somebody has to give them some love. Cause I think a lot of these guys are going to be overlooked. And again, it's super early. Things are definitely going to change right now. A lot of guys that are projected top 10 and different mocks are probably going to fall off just because that's what happens every year. And some of the guys that you mentioned in this episode will probably be on the rise. But once again, thank you for making the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. And now for your second listen, get up to date on the latest news and rumors in the NBA in just 30 minutes every day with the Locked On NBA. And the Locked On NBA Podcast is your daily NBA update in 30 minutes. Definitely have to check it out later on today because free agency starts i'm just not used to free agency starting on thursday which means i don't have to stay up until one two o'clock in the morning to get the the latest news uh i mean if you're an nba fan like myself you remember waiting until midnight waiting on Woj or shams tweets and i remember one year i was actually in greece 
and uh i was stand up i was like i don't know maybe like six o'clock in the morning and i'm sitting there waiting on the on the tweets to come so hopefully we get some crazy news today well once again it's rafael barlow with my co-host leaf tulene aka the grinder and if you ever doubted the nickname then today he showed you why we call him the grinder and hopefully everybody has a happy thursday and we are out